this shocking news. David Montgomery has joined the Detroit Lions, which also means on the opposite side of that, Jamal Williams will no longer be a member of the Detroit Lions. One of last year's greatest stories, 17 touchdowns for Jamal Williams and the massive cavity and void he's left on the Lions now totally goes to, in my book, and we'll talk through this, David Montgomery. And the details speak to that. Hayden, a three-year deal worth $18 million also saw somewhere else $11 million guaranteed. And sure, when you see all this money flying around for wide receivers, offensive tackles, defensive tackles, $11 million doesn't sound like that much. But in free agency, it is. In the last few years since 2020, I believe only James Conner and Leonard Fournette have gotten more total guaranteed money on the running back free agent market. I was going to bring up the James Conner contract. That was a three-year, $21 million contract with $13 million guaranteed. It's basically the same thing. And right when we saw that James Conner contract, we all called him a bell cow. And that's going to be the debate with David Montgomery, just to put some other reference behind this. The Jamal Williams contract with the Lions a couple years ago was two years for $6 million and $3 million guaranteed. And he was still able to have a big role. And this really just comes down to his skill sets and evaluation. DeAndre Swift has all the highlights. Players like Jamal Williams, players like David Montgomery, their highlight tapes aren't as fun, even though we get some dance moves from Jamal Williams. But the dirty work is where they excel. And really just comes down to when a coach draws up a four-yard carry, he wants those four damn yards. And you don't necessarily get that all the time with DeAndre Swift. That's why he does not play at the goal line. You will get that with David Montgomery. You You will get that with David uh, or Jamal Williams as well. So we're going to be debating the upside, the boringness versus the highlight tape with this entire video. This is an incredible fit. I, I love David Montgomery on the Detroit Lions. I think he personally and perfectly fits Dan Campbell. I think he perfectly encapsulates what they want this rushing attack to be behind an outstanding offensive line. And hey, now I'll say this. Just from a pure talent standpoint, and let's say especially between the 20s, I think David Montgomery is a better player than Jamal Williams. We love Jay Will, you know? We love the shake. We love the 15 touchdowns scored inside of the five-yard line last year. But I'm not saying David Montgomery is is in the class of the elite at the position, but he 100% forces missed tackles, creates yards after that, and then can take consistently runs 10 yards and he's exactly what you're saying. He is dependable. And it's so clear despite what everyone thinks about Dave Montgomery and hates on him every single season. And then on the opposite end loves the infrequency of Deandre Swift because of the, the, the splash plays, as you said, especially in the receiving game, this is a one-to-one match and one-to-one fit that we are getting from David Montgomery into one of last year's best stories and best fantasy players in Jamal Williams. I pulled up a couple of stats to kind of just belabor this point. Pass protection snaps. Jamal Williams was the running back 13 last year. DeAndre Swift was, was the running back 66. Yep. So he wasn't being out there in pass protection. David Montgomery was top 20 in that routes run. Uh, David Montgomery was a running back 17. They didn't trust Jamal Williams in that role. But David Montgomery is a threat to DeAndre Swift in that route routes run category, the drop rate, David Montgomery was top five in the entire league, only dropped 3% of his passes. DeAndre Swift, 7.7. That was one of the lower numbers. And then inside the five-yard line carries, obviously this was the huge storyline last year. Jamal Williams was the RB1. He had 28 of them. He converted 14 of them in for touchdowns. DeAndre Swift only had four carries inside the, the top or inside the five-yard line. 
David Montgomery weighs way more than DeAndre Swift. He has the vision that's a little bit more reliable. So I think you're getting at least some of the Jamal Williams role. And I think these two are going to battle it down for those like passing down roles. And I think the, the onus is on DeAndre Swift to show me that I'm wrong with my evaluation, all yes. the DeAndre Swift tr- truthers and not vice versa. We saw this with Jamal Williams. Now we see with this contract, you have to prove to me that DeAndre Swift is a bell cow back and not the uh, other way around. Now, and there is a change. Like I think we can both sit here and say that Deuce Staley probably had an impact of who got the running back touches where and how often. And now Deuce Staley is in Carolina, right? Maybe a Jamal Williams destination. Um, but it, I think it was pretty clear that like Deuce Staley and DeAndre Swift didn't really mesh in terms of the running back position. But David Montgomery, like, I th- again, I think Jamal Williams is a really good player, but it was ex- an exceptionally rare season when you talk about what you said in opportunities inside of the five-yard line. Um, the 28 was eight more than any other ball carrier, and Jalen Hurts was right after that, then all the way down to 16 for Ezekiel Elliott. And his 14 touchdowns, the only closest person was Derrick Henry at 10. In fact, if you look at carries inside of the 10-yard line, it gets even crazier because Jamal Williams had 45 of them. The next closest was Joe Mixon at 29, right? And so what you're saying is true. Like maybe some people who love who love DeAndre Swift says, oh, well, now that Jamal's gone, they'll split up the pie. Okay, when you go back to David Montgomery's best seasons, which this line seems all up close, in 2020, he had the third highest rate of his percentage of teams red zone carries, 66.7% back in 2020. And in 2021, he had the eighth highest percentage in the NFL. DeAndre Swift hasn't come close to owning that level of percentages during his time in the league. Yeah, and I think most of the goal line responsibilities will go to David Montgomery. So now we go to to like the next equation. Jamal Williams last year ran extremely pure, as pure as you can possibly run the touchdown department. He was the running back 10. DeAndre Swift was the running back 21 per game. Could DeAndre Swift stay in that range? I think so. And there's still an upside case with DeAndre Swift because if DeAndre Swift can get the full role here, if David Montgomery misses time or something like that, or if the the opposite end, yeah, or the other other way around, there is a top five, top 10 range of outcomes for either one of these backs just because we both have so much faith in the Lions offense. But even if we think the Lions will win more games next year and make the playoffs, there is no way that their best running back scores 14 touchdowns inside the five-yard line next season. Like, that's just a rare anomaly of a season. So I think, like, the production will have to be had in different ways. Like, I can say that the role is going to be the same. I think of Dave Montgomery to what Jamal Williams had last year, but count how many games you all watched with Amon Ross St. Brown falling down the one-yard line or, you know, what TJ Hawkinson at the time falling down the one yard line. It's just doesn't mean the production is, is going to equal it. And then I don't want to like completely shit on Swift, you know, because he does have areas. He is just better in the open space with He's the ball in his hands and one-on-one in the open field. He'll make you miss in the alleys. Like this yeah. is why always his missed tackles forced are better in the receiving game per touch than they are in the rushing game in the running game per touch um and again i don't want to overlook this money this is legit money for a running back nowadays on the free agent market now i'm gonna hit you with it is there a chance that deandre swift gets traded 
year four, this we're talking about the running back change. They have, and there's no sign of them wanting him beyond this season. Yeah. So right now, my first crack at rankings, I just got back from the gym, just heard of this news. I have De- uh, DeAndre Swift and David Montgomery both in the running back 20 ish range. And but now but I think both of them have a very, huge we're going from very different spots from those, you know, like of you course. have. I mean, DeAndre Swift was being drafted as the running back 15 on underdog fantasy right now, 54 overall. And David Montgomery was being drafted as the running back 36. So now you have basically pushed them equal distant to the yeah. middle. I think right now, if you told me, and if you want to admit this, you have DeAndre Swift one spot ahead of David Montgomery. I flip that. Yeah. I, I still come down to it. I think both of them have top 10 upside. And a lot of the backs, we're in like the Cam Akers range. J.K. Dobbins, I don't think J.K. Dobbins has the ceiling potential that these two guys have. There's a lot of backs in this range that don't have three down potential. I think both Swift and uh, Montgomery have three down potential. I think I like Montgomery's chances of hitting that because they just paid him all this money. And like you said, this is this is legit money. You don't see this much money and this early. There's a reason we haven't seen any basically other running backs. We've seen some resignings, and we've seen Rashad Penny get basically two, $3 million max deal. This is way blowing out of proportion, those numbers. So I think it just comes down to is like, what is the coaching staff that dialed up the plays exactly. want? And that's what David Montgomery is going to bring. Beyond that, it's, it's up to you guys. Do you, do you know what I've come to learn? About the running back position, so much of it is also tied to the team's success and then who gets the high-value touches and who scores the touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Like That's really the equation here. And again, this team is going to score touchdowns next year with the offensive coaching staff that they have, the offensive line that they have in place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is such a good unit. Um, but that doesn't mean we're going to get, again, 14 rushing touchdowns inside the five-yard line. I did want to bring this up because we have – we need to talk about a little bit about Jamal Williams and then more probably about Khalil Herbert as well. Um, mm-hmm. Tyler Dunn's been on the Jamal Williams update case. Right now, the running back and the lines are far apart in a deal. This was just before this was announced. Several teams still in the mix. The Bills, which would be interesting. Perfect and perfect. Yep. The Bengals, um, who just lost to Maje P. Ryan to the Denver Broncos. The Panthers and Slash the Bears. Uh, the Bears have since signed Travis Homer, who is more, I think, of a passing down back and a special team specialist and a, a third back on the market. Um, and then Tyler Dunn in a later tweet said, Jamal Williams, Aaron Rodgers are super tight. That could be a connection with the New York Jets as well. If Jamal Williams goes to the Bengals, the Bills, or the Panthers as like their their guy, I'm going to be twerking just like Jamal Williams. That's going to be quite the landing spot. I, I would be very happy for that. I hope Jamal secures it back. He's a little bit on the older side, so we'll see what his number ends up being. But I think there's a chance that this is the highest running back contract on the market. Like, do you think Miles Sanders is going to get this contract? I'm I'm not sure. I think this it's, might be it's the biggest part. I, I personally, one. and it's easy to say this now, thought that Dave Montgomery was the best available runner in free agency. And I know that everyone hates him. They treat him like a starting quarterback who stinks. And then everyone wants to see the backup. It's just crazy how I I think he's been overlooked Mm -hmm. and punished for, I think, play that is above solid. Like he is a good running back in the league. And to me, warrants this type of deal on a perfect situation of that team. Now, with Mm -hmm. that said, Cleo Herbert's really good, Mm -hmm. you know, and what we saw last season and you point out every single week on stats versus film was a two for one. Dave Montgomery would get two series, then one series for Khalil Herbert. But that means, you know, the running game. That also meant the passing game. And I just think the Bears have, I don't know, 
too many picks and too much money to keep it just Khalil Herbert. Yeah, I I don't think anyone, including myself and you, I don't think anybody saw David Montgomery returning. Otherwise, they would have not floated him out in trade markets. They would have re-signed him already. Um, so I'm not moving Khalil Herbert off of this. This is they have too many picks, they have too much money. We'll see what happens with Khalil Herbert's stock. I, I do think that he can play a little bit though. So if if the Bears wanted to say we're punting the, the position, we're gonna invest on the offensive line and rock it with Herbert and like the a round four running back, sign me up for that. I think that'd be a pretty smart move. But I think it's too early to victory lap him. I do want to ask you one question though. Okay. The counter to all this DeAndre Swift stuff, and I think we've been fair but critical on his role and stuff. There's going to be a, an outlet of, of, of fantasy analysts and fans out there that are just going to say, this is because DeAndre Swift is never healthy. Healthy, He just needs yeah. to say healthy, and then he's going to get unlocked. Do you think that they would be signing somebody to this much money because of health, or do you think that this is purely based off of what he's provided to the Lions on tape? I think even without Deuce Staley on the coaching staff, we have seen a clear delineation of what they expect with certain roles on the team. One of those roles relies on explosive plays in the passing game and has a player that can achieve those, but those are high variance and difficult to create. The other role is the one that we really care about inside the 10, inside the five yard line touches and Jamal Williams own that completely. Like DeAndre Swift, maybe we get one or two opportunities here or there. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, it's very clear that, they do not believe in DeAndre Swift in that role and went out and prioritized someone who is the nasty side of the mm-hmm. running game, the grinder of the running game, who can create yards on his own, on contact with the ball in his hands. And that's David Montgomery. And I think when we got very excited with DeAndre Swift, who came in the league as a bell cow type of potential back, that was when the Lions were really struggling with just playmakers and now you're making the debate, am I throwing the ball to DeAndre Swift or am I throwing the ball to Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, a Jamison Williams, who I think both in, both you and I are both very optimistic about. So all of a sudden, just like, what's the point of those DeAndre Swift uh, screens when you have probably better, more explosive players uh, on the perimeter? Now, there are some good running backs still out there. You mentioned Miles Sanders. You mentioned Kareem Hunt. Obviously, Jamal Williams, we've already talked about. Deontay Foreman was incredibly uh, productive in his Damien. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of these like David Montgomery type of style backs that can handle 200 touches. And there's not that many openings around the league. And then some people think that there's a pretty deep running back class. I think there's a deep class with role players. I don't see a bunch of bell cow options. So we're going to be playing the musical chairs. And that's why I was so surprised with this contract. It's way more money. I think we're going to have a lot of these running backs waiting and waiting and waiting and then ultimately signing like four million dollar deals so that that's why i think you and i like were very surprised by how much money david montgomery got yeah and damien damien harris is the name that you're about to mention who just before jamal williams led the league in touchdowns on the ground um yeah i mean i, I really think swift just rides out his deal I, I don't think they've shown really any inclination in it and to me dave montgomery is instantly the best running back on this team that doesn't mean 17 touchdowns mm-hmm but the best running back on this team. Yeah. If he gets 10, you'll, you'll be all right. I, I, if I was in another GM, I would at least call oh. about DeAndre Swift at this point. Final galaxy brain. Ryan Poles talks about blue chip players all the time, so on and so forth. Now they're at pick nine. You know, that's not pick four, pick two, any of that stuff. Let's say along the defensive line, which they really haven't added to that much so far. 
like Jalen Carter's gone, Will Anderson's gone, guy from Texas Tech is gone, so on and so forth. And like the blue chipper that is left in their board, Bijan Robinson, just something to think about. Like mm-hmm. I'm not saying at nine, maybe another short trade out, so on and so forth. But I do wonder if an old school evaluator like Ryan Poles, despite him being on the young side, uh, really does believe in this blue chip thing. And it's like, okay, we need to get one of these top five. And he's the last one left. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Poles is on my radar with some of these moves. <laughs> so I, I'm not, I'm not ruling that. I also, it is a good way to like getting a, a rookie running back to post some good numbers is like a good, like, nice. You nailed that pick. Uh, usually it doesn't work out in the long term. We'll see. Bijan Robinson is still like top five on all the like uh, NFL draft bros, big boards, like Daniel Jeremiah and all them. So like if you do get the right GM that doesn't care about positional value, we'll see. The Jets make a move on offense, likely a precursor to an even bigger move on offense. But the first one signing wide receiver Alan Lazard to a four year, $44 million deal with $22 million guaranteed. So Hayden, we saw last year, Garrett Wilson, offensive rookie of the year, Elijah Moore still living off that great rookie season. And now simply put, it's a one for one replacement with Corey Davis, who will be cut saving $10.5 million, and this money going to Alan Lazard. Almost exactly dollar for dollar, Alan Lazard. It's $44 million over four years. Uh, basically, the Jacoby Myers deal, but added another year. I don't think that Alan Lazard's going to get to that final year. So it's basically just taking the $10 million and throwing over to Alan Lazard. I, I'm fine with this. If this is what Aaron Rodgers wants, and he wants Alan Lazard instead of Corey Davis, it's no skin off my back. I think they're very similar type of players. They're both the dirty work players like Garrett Wilson. You don't want him blocking and all that stuff. He's too valuable as just a, a skill set yard after the catch, all that stuff. Al Mazard's going to give you that blocking presence. He's going to give you some downfield ability. He's not a perfect player. And I think that Matt Harmon in his charting really backs up exactly what I view him. He is a guy that's not going to win with separation skills, but he will come down with some contested catches and he's going to do the wide receiver work that all the other good wide receivers don't want to do. And there's value in that. It's always laughable when one of the top two things you bring up about a wide receiver is his blocking. But think about, and it's a different play caller, obviously, this year, and most likely a new quarterback. But think about all of the big plays that we saw from Brees Hall when you get to the seam, when you get to open space. And once in open space, Brees Hall can rack up 40, 50, 60-yard runs. This is why they drafted that. This is why they have other explosive players. Is because they understand having... 10, 11, 12 play drives is more difficult a game in game out basis than being able to have explosives. Now, Alan Lazard is like your contested catch guy. He's your lack of separation guy. He can play on the outside. He can play in the slot. He can be out there in two wide receiver sets or, or three wide receiver sets. And I almost want to like have this conversation on the individual of Alan Lazard, but there's not that much to talk about, you know, like he really is a a one for one replacement with, with Corey Davis and it doesn't, ruffle any feathers but maybe it will when some of these other pieces like randall cobb and odell beckham who's been added to the wish list as well but like when you just look at a core three wide receivers the dynamic between garrett wilson and what he does well al Lazard, where he wins and elijah moore being this inside which he finished the season off last year outside downfield playmaker it really is is a nice dynamic between the three 
I think if they add Odell on top of this, then I think that Elijah Moore gets traded or something like that. Cause I'm with you. I think that right now, these three, assuming Corey Davis gets cut, this is the right dynamic. And yeah, I'm with you. Alan Lazard is a forgettable player for the most part, but I think he has some value last year in a similar ish role, probably a little bit worse of a role going into this year. He was the wide receiver 42, 106th overall on a per game basis last year. I have him slightly below that more in the, the wide receiver 50s range right next to Elijah Moore. I think the one thing I'm debating in the meantime right now is who's going to be playing in two wide receiver sets. So I looked at it, Sports Info Solutions, because we care about two wide receiver sets so much, especially this type of offense, the background that we're coming from. Elijah Moore only had 37 routes in two wide receiver sets. That was out of 128 dropbacks. Denzel Mims had 28 in his own right. So he almost had as many as Elijah Moore. So he's basically a slot only player, a gadget guy, somebody that can win on downfield because he's so athletic. But I think that Al Mazard, who just about played every single one of those two wide receiver sets right now is probably right next to Elijah Moore in fantasy rankings, even though we love the upside of Elijah Moore. It's a big question. And you asked it in Slack. Who would you rather have right now? Who'd you rather draft right now? the Elijah Moore or the Alan Lazard. And you couldn't get more different of profiles. I think it's, it's really what you're banking on. I think it's so easy to gravitate towards the high ceiling, the big playability of Elijah Moore in those spiked weeks. But man, I want to read you some stuff on what Aaron Rodgers has said about Alan Lazard in the past. So in training camp, and this is from Packers wire from an article in 2020 in training camp in 2018, Aaron Rodgers publicly lambasted his young receivers when practice ended with repeat mental mistakes. He demanded more. He didn't always get more. Alan Lazard, a late arrival in 2018 as an undrafted free agent, signed off the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad, I believe, helped change the equation one day at a time. He said Rodgers reached out during the spring months of 2019 to accelerate their development. The chemistry was building with contributions from both sides. And then just last season, this is what Roger said about Lazard. That's what's got him on the field a bunch when he was a third and fourth guy. And that's what keeps him on the field and makes us love him so much because he gives up his body like that consistently. So it's clear he has his favorites. And this means Alan Lazard is going to have a ton of ton of playing time. Yeah, I, I think I think he's going to mean two wide receiver sets and then it's just going to come down to how efficient can we get? Uh, Garrett Wilson, just real quick. I I think this is a precursor to Aaron Rodgers being traded. Like we'll make another video about that, but I think we're all under the assumption that Rodgers is coming. I think Garrett Wilson, he's goes in the middle of the second round right now, 18th overall. I think that there's going to be some people that are going to make the case for him at about 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th overall, just because of the ceiling that he provides. Obviously you have the Devontae Adams uh, comparisons going on over there as well. So uh, I don't think this is an up down anything for Garrett Wilson. I think that it's just good news that Aaron Rodgers uh, very likely is coming. And again, we'll have a much larger conversation on this and how Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett run a slightly different offense than what we saw last year with Garrett Wilson. But I did want to bring up, as you always know, I love to do uh, targets in high value target areas so inside the 10 yard line, because there was a period of time in the opening stands of last year with Joe Flacco with Garrett Wilson had more inside the 10 yard line targets than any other wide receiver had inside of the 20 yard line. So he owned 35.7% of the Jets' targets last year inside the 10-yard line. Adam Lazard for the Packers in his lone year without Devontae Adams 
was about 12th on this list, owning 31% of his team's targets inside of the 10-yard line. Garrett Wilson is leaps and bounds a better player. And we've seen that when Al Lazard is mixed with someone who's leaps and bounds better than him, he's not getting those opportunities. I'm really excited for someone like Al Lazard to, like you said, take up the dirty work that can spring long Brees Hall runs uh, and then allow Garrett Wilson to win his one-on-one isolated separation. And I think hopefully be that guy inside the 20, inside the 10, like Devontae Adams was on slant flats and isolated moves for Aaron Rodgers. That doesn't make me very excited for Elijah Moore. Those no, and how is the touch? Where are the touchdowns ooh, coming from? from like 40 yard plays, you know? And look, if Randall Cobb gets added to this group, then that doesn't move. Care. That, that is depth. That doesn't change anything. But as soon as Diana Rossini said that Odell Beckham's also in the wish list and Odell Beckham wanting not just, you know, double digit millions in terms of 20, but that would equal playing time because we always follow the money. I don't see how you can add Al Nazard plus Randall Cobb plus Odell Beckham and still have Elijah Moore on mm-hmm. the roster. But yeah. look, maybe it was an Odell or Al Nazard dynamic here for the Jets. Yeah, I, I think there's no reason to have Odell and Elijah Moore. And I wouldn't pay Odell $20 million uh, right. and kick the, the can from Elijah. Elijah Moore is perfectly suited for a slot role plus and I think that's where we're going to be headed here. So I think Odell, go find somewhere else. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers, enough of the demands. We'll get you your Alan Lazard. Go sign the damn contract and let's try to win the Super Bowl. Darren Waller is on the move and the Giants finally get some help for Daniel Jones. Yes, Darren Waller. One of the more athletic mismatched tight ends that we've seen, I don't know, in the last five seasons. Goes to the New York Giants in exchange for the number 100 overall pick. Hayden, we can basically say that Darren Waller was traded for Kadarius Tony, albeit another team was involved in that move. This is Waller, who's played just 17 games over the last two seasons. It's also the Giants that have been craving an explosive player outside of Saquon Barkley. This makes a ton of sense for both sides. For the Raiders, they're going to be saving $11 million against the cap. There was definitely some disagreements on how early Darren Waller was supposed to return from his injuries last year. Derek Carr was in the media saying some things. Remember some of the coaching staff, they were saying things. And then when Darren Waller did come back late in the year, he was playing fewer snaps than Foster Moreau, who's a free agent, probably not a big signing in his own right. So this divorce felt inevitable. And for the Giants side, they have a ton of cap space after clearing the roster last year, and they have no weapons aside from Saquon Barkley. So they're going to be rolling the dice here. I will say Darren Waller is 30 years old, approaching 31 years old when the season starts. And his last two years have been littered with injuries, and his yards per route run has dropped. Last year, he was a tight end 10. The years before that, he was like tight end 2, tight end 3, only right behind Travis Kelsey. So they're taking on some risk. But if you look around, who are the weapons that you want to be getting if you're the Giants? The wide receiver market so bad in free agency. I don't think the wide receiver class is all that good. So this gives uh, Brian Dayball a receiving option going back to Buffalo. It's always one wide receiver sets in Buffalo. That's how it was last year with the Giants. And unlike Bellinger, Darren Waller at least provides a little bit of pop. Let's run through the skill position players currently on the New York Giants, other than Saquon Barkley and now Daniel Jones, who everyone knows that you are paying $40 million to every single season. Um, Darius Slayton, who arguably at times are their most explosive wide receiver last season, uh, is a free agent. 
Isaiah Hodgins is on a exclusive rights for agency deal and is coming back. They re-signed Sterling Shepard, who has also been injured for the last two seasons. You have Wandale Robinson, who had some promising moments in the slot, uh, but he's a slot wide receiver, also coming off a significant knee injury. So as Hayden said, despite the cap space and maybe some youth on the offensive side of the ball and some promising, optimistic thoughts this isn't the market to go out really in the wide receiver grouping. And I guess even tight end, you know, there are some intriguing tight ends, obviously in the draft and the giants certainly have Daniel Bellinger already on their roster, but what you get from hopefully a fully healthy locked in Darren Waller is something that you could not have gone out and gotten anywhere else other than a trade. It's weird that Mm -hmm. we said that with all these wide receivers, but it's kind of true in this hybrid mold that Darren Waller is going to occupy. Now the other part of this, And we've always talked about how Brian Dayball changes his offense no matter where he goes, right? At Alabama, he really focused on the ground. Obviously, everything was completely spread out in Buffalo. And in fact, in the Giants, it's not even him calling the plays. It's Mike Kafka. We haven't seen Brian Dayball, unless I'm mistaken, really feature a tight end. And this might be a different dynamic and a different layer onto that for the next step. Yeah, going back to Buffalo, they were like bottom three in uh two tight end sets uh, when Dayball was there and they had Dawson Knox running all those routes. And that's why like Dawson Knox would pop up in some fantasy rankings. Uh, But Daniel Bellinger out of 42 tight end qualifiers last year in yards per route run, he was 40th. So they got zero from this position and it's always just going to be one tight end. That's kind of how this philosophy works out with Brian Dayball. So for Darren Waller in fantasy circles, Uh, I think that he's going in an okay range. It's not the typical range where I like to be drafting tight ends. He's the tight end eight currently on underdog fantasy 98th overall. This is usually a danger spot for the tight end position. He goes right in front of David Njoku, Pat Firemuth, Dalton Schultz is a free agent to Dawson Knox and a very similar offense uh, goes right after him, but similar kind of skill set to like Evan Ingram at this point. Uh, Dalton Schultz would have been a totally different move for the Giants here, but I do not think the Giants are done adding no. to their skill group. They're going to be adding a wide receiver. I don't know which one it will be. I think like Jordan Addison or something in the draft in the twenties would still make a lot of sense. So I don't want to get over. Uh, I don't want to get over my skis here with the Darren Waller stuff. I moved him up my rankings slightly just because of of the options. There's at least target share to be had here. Um, so it's a slight win for Darren Waller, but you're still adding on a lot of risks and injuries plus getting age, and I think there's some downside risk here still. But the other part of this, there is like a a, a get-out clause, basically, on the Giants end because there's no guaranteed money yep. left over. Yep. For so at worst, you are losing the number 100 overall pick, which is significant. Like, there's going to be good players in that range. Mm-hmm. The upside case is much greater. And you can kind of rework things as you go along. Like you said, they have the number 25 pick. In the draft, the number 57 overall pick and the 89th pick, if I'm doing my math correctly with Miami forfeiting the 21st pick, you have no clue who's going to be on the board at mid 20s, mid 50s, late 80s, right? In order from wider series. But you're not on the same page where they're 100% going to continue to add to this group, despite what, you know, Isaiah Hodgins showed you more than we expected and Wandale Robinson, hopefully, in year two. Um, I'm excited. Like, I do wonder if exactly the offense that we saw last year with the Giants is what we are going to see in the future, just with better players. I would expect them to try to be a bit more pedal to the floor, a bit more spread out, a bit more aggressive. It's almost 
like they felt like they had to do that last year with you know so much quarterback misdirection, which they're always going to use. They're always going to highlight their quarterback strengths, but I guarantee you they would want more pass catching prowess out there. And just to rewind, like what we got from Darren Waller in 2019 and 2020 was 117 targets, 90 receptions, over 1,100 yards, and then 145 targets, 107 receptions, and nearly 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. Yep. That's when he was 28 years old, and he's about Dominating. 31. But right. he was a dominant player at the position. Yep. And it matches like his athleticism. It wasn't like a total surprise uh, after he did it the first year. Just going back to the Giants, like you said, though, they were dead last in passes of 20-plus yards last year. Their average depth of target was 30, uh, 30th in the NFL. Their neutral pass rate, 27th ov- uh, overall. Their fourth down aggressiveness was 27th overall. Just their passes in general, 24th overall. Brian Dable wants to pass. Yep. But he did not have the talent around Daniel Jones to do that. This is another step in the direction for, I'm guessing, is going to be a more uh, up-tempo and more aggressive offense just in general, especially when they add a wide receiver. Going back to the Wanda Robinson stuff, this ADP makes no freaking sense. Where he is he going? ACL. He goes. He's a, a 129th overall, yeah. the wide receiver 60, and that's dropped a little bit. We don't even know if he's going to be ready for week one. He's a slot-only player. Yeah. Uh, because of and will forever guys. be, and we're adding to the position Jordan Addison, a Corey Davis trade. Who who knows what's going to happen, but they're going to be adding some competition there. And Darren Waller, I think, right now is penciled in for like 15 to 20 percent target share, and that's kind of in line with tight end one two border. Uh, we don't know who's going to be that the number one receiver because I think that wide receiver one is going to be coming from another team. But good win for Daniel Jones, who's kind of being drafted in the same ballpark, 100th overall. You get the rushing upside, I think a little more up-tempo and aggressiveness. I think that would be uh, definitely a win for Daniel Jones, like low-end uh, quarterback one, high-end quarterback two fantasy upside. We've seen it with Bill's teams in the past that both Joe Shane and Brian Dayball were a part of when there was an obvious weakness on the roster. Take the offensive line, for example, or even wide receivers. Like they go and double down and triple down in those spots and really target that one area. We thought it'd be pass catchers this offseason. So they're not done. Like they are not done. It's not just going to be crossing your fingers with Rondell Robinson, who, like you said, is going as wide receiver 60 on underdog fantasy right now, or Isaiah Hodgins as wide receiver 63. Like maybe one of those guys does end up starting or playing a lot of snaps, but there's going to be competition involved. And just quickly, it is so easy to fall in love with a type like Wandale who separates and is a jitterbug in the slot, but that is who he is. He can never be anything more. And sure, he can work in the intermediate section at times, but we're looking to win your fantasy leagues and not necessarily just get the consistency out there in that spot. If that makes yep. sense. Okay. Quickly on the Raiders. And does this change anything for you? We just did videos on Jimmy yesterday on Jacoby Myers earlier today. What you said of saving $11.8 million via a trade, which wouldn't have happened with just a cut makes total sense for this move. And I, I bet that Fabian Moreau does come back or Foster Moreau does come back now uh, to play yeah. tight end. For them. And I, w- I would be interested in that. I think going Moreau with a rookie on day two or day three would be a good move considering the classes that you were dealing with in the tight end group. Moreau is still young too. So I think he kind of fits this timeline of just taking chances and he's flashed a little bit here, but I think that they're going to be in the rookie market. Uh, Hunter Renfro, he is a slight trade candidate. Devontae Adams is not going to get traded. His contract won't allow it. So I think that there's going to be set with uh, Jimmy G throwing to these top three wide receivers with Jacoby Myers. And then you're going to have 
just a probably a tight end position that's not going to really move the needle in fantasy. So I think the Raiders are going to be fine on offense. Their defense has basically a hole at every single spot, and their offensive line isn't very good. So the the Raiders are in a very kind of weird spot where they have Devontae Adams on a big contract. Jimmy G's probably going to start the entire year, but they really don't have a whole lot of building blocks around them. So they're kind of stuck in the middle between rebuild versus completely tanking this year. I mean, and look at Darren Waller running the seam on all this stuff. And by the way, if you look at where Daniel Jones was most comfortable throwing the football last year in the short area, so zero to nine yards, he had 141 attempts and completed 108 of those in the middle of the field. Then in the intermediate portion, it was 42 of 67 for 670 yards and two touchdowns. So like at the very least, you have Darren Waller running the seam. You have him be a mismatch over top of linebackers. Uh, athleticism with safeties too. Like hopefully we get this once again, because mm-hmm. as producer Weaves put together this reel, like this is, and some great yards after catch opportunities. Like he instantly again, to wrap this up, becomes the most explosive player other than Saquon Barkley on this team. Yep, love it for him. Uh, real quick, just putting you on the spot. David Njoku and Darren Waller being drafted right next to each other. They're both these seam vertical athletic types. Would you rather have David Njoku and, and attach yourself to the redacted quarterback, or are you going to go with Darren uh, Waller with Daniel Jones? Both of these kind of quarterback tight end pairings are both being drafted around round 8 to round 10. David Njoku. I'd still want to go right. David and Joku. Um, Younger, yeah. One one final note, and maybe this is an area where, and I should look this up. Uh, the Giants felt like they struggled last season. Was in the red zone, and I know we keep going back to uh, the 2020 season, but it was truly spectacular. So they were actually really good. The Giants last year in red zone touchdown rate, they were fifth in the league by scoring 64.8 percent of their red zone drives, ending in a touchdown. But if you go again back to 2020. For Darren Waller, he was second in the league when it comes to target rate inside the 20-yard line for his team. 81% catch rate, caught six touchdowns in that area. And inside the 10-yard line, 11 targets, nine receptions, six touchdowns. Like, he was truly a mismatch oh, yeah. for the Raiders inside the, the tight area of the field during that time. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. This might sound like hyperbole, but I feel like we just found our number one offseason running back winner, and it's Rashad Penny heading to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Hayden, we know that the Eagles backfield, Miles Sanders will get paid by someone. Boston Scott is also a free agent. Can he gain well? Not necessarily the body type that they believe 
probably can take on the same workload that Miles Sanders got last year. Your instant reaction to Rashad Penny, who, by the way, in the final six games of the 2021 season, arguably the best running back in the NFL, even over that insane span of time of Jonathan Taylor. This is such a sharp move by the Eagles and everyone just get out of the way, go in the YouTube comments already and just say that he's never going to stay healthy. None of this conversation matters. It's, it'll help us with the algorithm. You can get it off your chest, but when healthy, when healthy Rashad Penny has been elite at running back last year, he had 4.2 yards after contact the year prior. He led the NFL in yards after contact. This guy has been electric, not just with uh, pure speed, which he has, but he's got a little thickness to him, and that's what I'm uh, going out of my way for in half PPR best ball. He's an upside pick. We're trying to win these best ball tournaments. I'm going to have some interest here because unlike Kenny Gainwell, who's more of a change of pace guy that can win on third downs, right. Rashad Penny's going to be the guy that's going to be at the goal line. And the big thing right now is the Eagles have all these goal line opportunities yes. with Miles Sanders. He was already the RB17 last year, and quite frankly, I think Rashad Penny straight up is better than Miles Sanders at football now miles sanders has been uh healthier obviously but straight up when when these two dudes are healthier i think rashad penny's in a tier or two above miles sanders behind the best offensive line in the nfl the best running game in the nfl and all that you have to do is look into the opportunities inside of the 10 yard line last year jalen hurts and miles sanders tied for the third most opportunities inside of the 10 yard line across the league that is nuts stuff to do with a teammate both had 26 carries inside of the 10 yard line Jalen Hurts scored 11 touchdowns off of those 26 carries and Miles Sanders scored eight okay I mean that just puts you in the opportunity to put up massive fantasy points now it's always the caveat that he has to stay healthy of course because when healthy he's an outstanding football player you spoke about last season I'll speak about the year before Again, on 102 attempts, he led the NFL in yards during those final six games of the season. He averaged about 6.8 yards per carry and led the league in yards after contact. And our buddy Dan Pazuda, who so sharp, pointed out that in shotgun, it's small sample size. But over the past three seasons, Rashad Penny has 70 carries, 6.6 yards per carry, reels off a 10-plus yard run on 15.7% of his carries and then 4.63 yards after contact per yep. rush. And we know that that's where Philadelphia lives in their offense. And they were never going to be in the Bijan Robinson sweet stakes. It's just never. not a position of value. And I, I'm guessing how we don't have the contract details, but I'm guessing it's going to be a one year, maybe two year deal for Rashad Penny. And it's going to be very incentive laden because you can uh, kind of push down the cap. Um, if it's unguaranteed money based off of what he did last year, which was not a whole lot because he missed so much time here. So really, this is just going to come down to, I think it's going to be Kenny Gainwell's involved. Uh, Rashad Penny's involved. I think they're still going to draft a back uh, on day three. And then Trey Sermon is back waiting in the wings. Uh, and I just think that Rashad Penny is going to be better than anybody else on the depth chart. And I think it's his job to lose regardless of the money. I just would be very shocked if the Eagles make a big running back addition in free agency or in the NFL draft at this point. It's going to be like a round five guy, Kenny Gainwell, Rashad Penny, and give me Rashad Penny. Now, I, I could see a round three or round four player. Like, it's not like this team has not invested in running back in the past. They've even invested in some failed running backs in the past. But I'd be shocked, again, if healthy, if Rashad Penny isn't there 
I'm not going to say bell cow, but lead ball carrier, lead mm-hmm. ball carrier to start the season. And Kenny Gainwell is just a change of pace. He's a change of pace. And that can also be inside the 20 yard line. Like he has some packages in there, which they prefer him to run. Um, just the stuff with Bijan connecting him and run one. When the Eagles are losing Javon Hargrave, maybe Fletcher Cox are losing James Bradbury, a few other pieces there. Those are premium spots. Mm-hmm. They're never going to invest in a running back in, in round one. Um, okay. So talk me through this where before this moment right now on March 14th was Rashad Penny being drafted immediately in this instance on underdog fantasy. It was a true embarrassment out there. Uh, he was going right around Leonard Fournette, Devin Singletary, right, Sean, Sean Tucker, who I don't think is very good. Uh, he's an incoming rookie. Uh, he's better than all these guys on this list. And if I was going to say the upside case where he's going to go, the very upside case, I don't think it will land here is in this like RB three range, like Rashad whites, James cooks, these guys that could be replaced by a draft prospect in the second or third round. I think that's his upside case. I think where he's going to end up is kind of where Kenny Gainwell was being drafted as the RB 37, 122nd overall, just because I think there's going to be a lot of people that in the YouTube comments talking about he's he's never healthy. Yes. Uh, but I think there's going to be some sharp rankings that are going to have him very aggressive rank just because if you just look at how the Eagles offense is set up, all we know they're going to be top five in all the efficiency stuff. And there's going to be goal line opportunities. And he has the upside case to fit exactly into that. And half PPR best ball, I think there is an upside case. So sure, he's got it low floors, but all these guys like Rashad White might not be very good at the in the NFL. Like there's a lot of bad lowercase uh, outcomes here in this RB three ish range. So even if the contract details are very contract incentive laden, I'm going to be okay with that. So where did Miles Sanders end last season in fantasy points per game? RB 17, RB 17. Okay. If Rashad Penny plays 14 games this year, he's going to end as a top 21 running back. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is that simple because it's not like he is splitting 50, 50 reps on 31 other teams inside of the 10 yard line, inside the five yard line, inside the 20 yard line. This is the Philadelphia Eagles that we're talking about. And unless something happens and they take a huge step back offensively, mm-hmm. the opportunities are going to be almost equal to what we saw last year. I, I truly believe that. I do think we, in fairness, though, just need to like list some of the injuries that he of had. Of course. Oh, I mean, yeah. In 2018, it was a finger fracture before he even played a game, then a knee strain, then a ACL, then another knee strain, then a calf strain, then a thigh hamstring pull, then obviously last season on October 9th, a leg tibia fracture. But guess what? The Eagles are pretty damn good at this NFL thing and building a squad, a yeah. unit. And this is a guy with former first-round draft capital that the Seahawks took ahead of the New England Patriots and a, a few other teams. And that sticks with you. And I think he is beloved across the league for the subtlety that he has behind the line of scrimmage. And he still has some of that juice to reel off these bigger runs, oh, despite yeah. maybe being a bit uh, huskier than he mm-hmm. was at San Diego State. And the injury history matters in two ways. The first part is those past injuries, the ACL stuff. He's already returned from that and showed like – elite level per carry stuff the last year's injury it happened in week five it was a broken lower leg that definitely matters the ligament damage in his ankle and stuff that could be a concern but i think that the eagles have probably taken a look at all that stuff uh from free agency and i think that they're going to be okay with it so like yeah i mean at some point you just got to roll the dice on some upside and the other thing i'm kind of wrapping my head around is 
the running backs of old, the top end guys, a lot of them are like 28, 29 years old. I think this year in particular for fantasy, we have to get uncomfortable with the running back production because it's going to come from guys that have not done it before because these older running backs are not going to do it again. So there's going to be rookies that we might not think are good, or there's going to be some free agents that are moving teams that are going to be absorbing offensive production because the running back production across the NFL isn't going anywhere. It's just going to be going to different bodies. And I think that we have to get uncomfortable with some of these projections and bet on some upside. I think that Rashad Penny's kind of like the cover image of the changing of the guards and just getting uncomfortable at a reasonable price tag. Okay. Final notes on the Eagles. One, I still expect them to have a third running back on their roster. Maybe it is Bernard Scott coming back. Trey Sermon. Maybe it's Trey Sermon. Maybe it's a rookie in round three plus. Um, what does this mean for Seattle Seahawks? Kenneth Walker going as running back six. 23 overall. No one really expected him to go back to Seattle. He was on a one-year contract. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, he was already on a one-year deal. I think it was a change of scenery time because it, yeah. it's, it's KW3's you know, spot. I, I, I think there was some risk that he would return. It's just like okay. he had no market. So I think this is a slight win for Kenneth Walker. I was my running back six where he's going to drafts. Okay. I mean, I really... People who follow this channel know that we love Kenneth Walker. Did before it became cool. Uh, I expect big things from Kenneth Walker this season. Um, and just to wrap this thing up, I know it looks like Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith scored all the touchdowns last year. If we're just talking about touchdowns inside the 20-yard line rushing, Miles Sanders had 10, Jalen Hurts had 11. The opportunity is king here, and Rashad Penny is going to be the first first name on that list, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, I'm willing to pay a running back 40 price tag to hopefully get the running back 22 in production. That's what I'm going to be comfortable with. Yeah, and we're already going to see huge shakeups over an underdog fantasy where you can draft all these players right now because, again, he was going after Devin Singletary and Leonard Fournette in those drafts, and now it'll be much, much, much closer to, I think, what you said, Rashad White at running back 28, if not higher than that. I wouldn't be surprised if the fantasy football brain collective loses their goddamn minds and forces them all the way up, uh, and it would make sense, like a case like we just said, can easily be made for him to go in that area. Yeah, I have him in my the RB3 range, in the RB28-ish range. Um, just real quick, because there is a hive of Kenneth Walker, or uh, not Kenneth Walker, a Kenny Gainwell truthers. Yeah. What do we say about them? Because to me, this was always the, the Kenny Gainwell issue. I agree. He has some skills. Like, I think he's a good change of pace back. He's reliable on passing situations. The concern was, does he have the body type and has he shown the ability to handle a big workload before? I've always thought that this is going to be the role he's going to be. He's going to be a yes. number two running back, and it's going to be hard for him to graduate out of that. So it's not really stock up, stock down. I always had him lower than ADP just because I thought this is what he was destined for is a change of pace role. Maybe if injuries break his way, he can reach a couple big weeks. But I don't think anything's going to go into a season expecting Kenny Gainwell to be the RB1. Yeah, I'll back all that up. And by the way, if you think like running back 20-ish is too rich, for Rashad Penny, consider who's going right now as running back 24, and that's Cam Akers. <laughs> you know, I would take that risk with Rashad Penny over where what we might get from the LA Rams next year and just Cam Akers in general over the last two seasons with that team.
Jimmy Garoppolo signs with the Las Vegas Raiders, a three-year, $67.5 million deal, including $34 million guaranteed Hayden. This reunites him with Josh McDaniels, who was his offensive coordinator with the New England Patriots from 2014 to 2017. We saw the Raiders banish Derek Carr. Is this just a cheaper version of Derek Carr? I know the, you know, the details of it are a bit different, but they do get paying less for their starting quarterback in this case. I would say significantly less. Just looking at the quarterback market, Jimmy G gets $34 million guaranteed. Derek Carr just signed for $60 million guaranteed. Jared Goff, $57 million. Geno Smith, $40 million guaranteed. And then you go down to Jimmy G, and then you go down a peg from there to go to Jameis Jameis Winston, who was on a $21 million guaranteed. So this is like the new like low-end starting quarterback market. Yeah. And I think this is appropriate for Jimmy G. I think that you can get some value out of this. Now, your odds to win the Super Bowl are obviously non-existent. This Raiders team, just quite frankly, isn't very good. and They're probably the team that's in quarterback purgatory, roster management purgatory more than anybody. I think if you're looking at that seventh overall pick, I think they were outside of the range of actually getting one of the top four guys. And even if they were to get Will Levis or Anthony Richardson that seventh overall, I'm not even convinced that they would want that type of quarterback just with Josh McDaniels, a notoriously hard uh, offense to understand. Those guys are more athletic guys. I'm not sure in pocket. And that's like the in, the anti version of that is Jimmy G. And to your point, it felt like despite having one of his better years the year before Josh McDaniels arrived, Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels never really got on the same page with this offense. And as you said, notoriously tough to to pick up. Hopefully, despite not being this offense, you know, since the 2017 season, we don't have any of those stumbling blocks, right? Like this is a a one-for-one guy who comes in and is able to run it the way he wants to pass catchers in the timing that they want to. Now, I, I'm i not going to say I'm concerned. And sure, you always can have injury concerns with Jimmy Garoppolo because whenever he gets his opportunity, it always seems like he goes down at some point during the season for an extended period of time. What I'm a bit concerned about is what we've come to know Jimmy Garoppolo under a Kyle Shanahan offense where like, if I can bring this up, to me, this is like the perfect visual of who Jimmy G is now as an NFL quarterback, everything over the middle of the field, nothing to the outside and really Hayden, nothing 20 plus yards down the field. So as much as you and I said that Jimmy had a great season last year for what the expectations were for Jimmy Garoppolo, not being the starter and not being with the team, how many touchdowns of 20 plus air yards do you think he had last season? Two. One. How many touchdowns do you think Devonte Adams had of 20 plus yard targets? Well, that was what was shocking when I was just looking at the Raiders. They were like top three in explosive plays uh, through the air. So it had to be a bunch. He had nine, you know, so this might mean more volume. And I'm not saying that we're going to now get a quote unquote cow Shanahan offense that works solely over the middle of the field and the intermediate and short range and yards up a catch. But those deeper targets outside the numbers have never been a comfort spot for Jimmy Garoppolo. And we have seen for a decade that Devontae Adams shines in those one-on-one areas outside the numbers and down the field. And to make your point, uh, Jimmy G's lowest time to throw of his entire career was that one year with McDaniel. So like 
in with the Shanahan, he would turn his back, do the play action stuff, and then have a read to throw the ball over the middle of the field. He's going to have a little bit more pre-snap to kind of divvy out these things. Um, so I think Devontae Adams, we're going to swap some of those big plays possibly for more targets. Now, Devontae Adams, he was the wide receiver three in fantasy last year, had an excellent season. Uh, I think that this is like about Derek Carr, Jimmy G's roughly in the same range. I think Derek Carr is a little bit better than Jimmy G. Um, but the alternative was going to be Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. So right. to me, even though this is a downgrade from last year to this year, probably it's still a massive win because the alternative was Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, premier guys getting stuck behind an offensive line that's not that good and a rookie quarterback who probably was going to be really, really bad at least throwing the ball. So I think this is a win for both of them. And just real quick on underdog fantasy, I did a draft yesterday. Devontae Adams went ninth overall. Josh Jacobs, you can see him in the third round, uh, 34th overall. I think that's too low for Josh Jacobs because now we have a built-in floor with this offense. Uh, even if they go the rookie quarterback route, if it is Will Levis at seventh, I still think Will Levis would probably be the guy in 2024, not in 2023. How do you feel about Jimmy Garoppolo behind this Las Vegas Raiders offensive line as well? Because that's a question. Like, there's no more Trent Williams. There's no more as much misdirection and causing confusion. I'm not saying the Raiders offensive line is as bad as it has been in the past, but they might have, heck, two new starters, three new starters next season along that offensive line. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you because at least from my seat, it does take them out of the conversation for the top end quarterbacks. And there had been some rumblings or mentions that maybe the Raiders were this mysterious team that got into the number one overall pick yeah. conversation. Well, remember McDaniels when we did that combine recap show, which by the way, everyone should go watch that show. The more of the stuff comes out. He said, I want a rookie quarterback. But I think what happened is the stock went up for all these quarterbacks and they weren't willing to pay future first round picks, nor should they uh, right now. Cause there's, they have too many holes. Like I think that stick with Jimmy G for a year and then go find uh, an actual big replacement later. Overall. I just think that the touchdowns maybe for Devonte Adams are going to go down, especially the deep touchdowns. Like it's crazy when you look at this and I'm sorry to focus so much in on this, but he had 22.6% of his targets last season were 20 plus yards down the field. And for Jimmy, just 9% of his attempts were that far. Again, nine of those touchdowns happened on those 22% of Devante's targets. And then just five in the medium area and two in the short area of the field. So like, I don't know if we'll get a top three season from Devante Adams again this year, just because touchdowns are so important. But I bet, I bet we will see still tons of volume tons of opportunity. I'm just a little nervous of the big plays, the explosive plays that are truly mm -hmm. like weak changing scores and weak changing performances. Yes. At the same time though, is if, if they're not hitting on these long passes, that means they're probably even worse on offense and then more targets and Devontae, like as much crap as we give Jimmy G uh, were we not just drafting Debo Samuel um, in the first round, just right. this last couple of years. So like there are ceiling potentials with Jimmy G and Devontae Adams. He's like the only guy in the building, Darren Waller, this is another kind of side thing is Darren Waller is a trade candidate. This is like, I don't want to call this a win now mood mode, uh, just because it's like they're just really in purgatory in between everything right now. Uh, but if, if Darren Waller gets moved or something like that, they're really just in a spot where it's just going to be Devontae Adams with a bad defense and Jimmy G just throwing the ball to him underneath. And it was easy to forget about Hunter Renfro last season, but he's coming off, you know, a season before of 
a lot of production. I'm just highly intrigued to see what Jimmy looks like outside of a Kyle Shanahan system. Is it like a chicken yeah. or the egg situation? And we know that, you know, those throws over the middle are the most efficient in the NFL. Just look at the Miami Dolphins as well. Um, but it's one difficult to throw in that area because there's so much trash in that space. And some quarterbacks prefer to throw to the outside and not over the middle of the field because of blind spots. But that has just been Jimmy's bread and butter since this entire time. So again, I wouldn't call this like a huge win for Devontae Adams, but in context of this could have been a potential Will Levis or a mystery box, it is a big win when we had no certainty of who the quarterback could be. And we'll finally learn about these EPA numbers since 2016. Jimmy G's the quarterback three in EPA per play. He's the quarterback three in success rate. Uh, despite being the quarterback 23 in completion percentage over expected. How good is this Shanahan scheme? We'll learn about that uh, last year. Um, Jimmy G was the quarterback 21 in PFF grade, but the quarterback four in yards per attempt with way worse, uh, just kind of depth of weapons and uh, offensive line plus scheme and all that stuff. We'll see what happens. I think I think that the, the Raiders are going to win seven games, six games, and then it's just back to where we were going into this offseason. Jacoby Myers, three-year deal, $33 million with 21 guaranteed with the Las Vegas Raiders. The band is all back together, Hayden, after bring back from the New England Patriots pipeline, Jimmy Garoppolo yesterday to be the quarterback, at least for 2023. Joshua Daniels now brings back a wide receiver who just coached a couple seasons ago. It's quite though, when we look at wide receiver contracts over the last couple off seasons, a small contract, wouldn't you say like, he and Curtis Samuel basically have the same identical deal, yet Curtis Samuels was two seasons ago. Yeah, Nelson Aguilar also got similar money from, uh, obviously, this uh, family tree. By the way, the the Raiders and the Texans, like, if whenever you can rebuild the Patriots dynasty without Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, you have to do it. Uh, but yeah, I agree. This money was definitely way shorter than what we were expecting. Yep. Only 33 million, 21 of it guaranteed. Uh, Hunter Renfro, for example, obviously this is going to be who he's going to be competing with. He signed a two-year contract extension a couple off seasons ago. That was worth thirty-two million dollars, with twenty-one million dollars guaranteed. Uh, so this is like basically the same exact contract that Jacoby Myers is getting. So really, for fantasy purposes, is who's going to be playing in two wide receiver sets? Because if you're just the slot only guy in this offense with Devontae Adams and possibly Darren Waller, we know they want to run the ball with Josh Jacobs. You have zero fantasy value. Now, I think it's going to be Jacoby Myers, and I think that you're going to agree with that because he played more on the outside in New England. What do you think Jacoby Myers' role is going to be uh, in Vegas? Yeah, this is the biggest question is how do all these pieces fit? And I know that we have been seeing some cryptic tweets and Instagram messages from Devontae Adams. Uh, it's impossible to move off of that contract. And why would they want to? You know, why and would he, they want By the way, he clarified. He said that he was tired of people asking him for inside Correct. information, not for Jimmy G. So. Why would they want to move on from arguably the best wide receiver in the league? So now it comes down to, I think what the public views is very similar players in Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro. And when I go back and not just look at where Jacoby Myers played with Josh McDaniels just a couple of years ago, where he had 550 snaps in the slot versus 425 out wide, roughly 50-50 inside versus outside. To me, that is very comparable to what Julian Edelman played under McDaniels and you know, maybe because of his shade of his skin or a couple other 
areas of his game, people view as Edelman as solely a slot player. That was not the case in New England. The sole slot player in New England was Danny Amendola. And I really feel like that is the comparison here for Hunter Renfro. Now, you talking about two wide receiver sets is pivotal because we know that Josh McDaniels loves to have a fullback on the field, loves his two tight end sets as well. So getting the guys are going to be out there for 75 plus percent of the snaps, run routes on the outside. If right now here on March 14th, I would guess that is obviously Devontae Adams and it's Jacoby Myers. And that third wide receiver flips between in the slot, Hunter Infro, and maybe bring in either a rookie or even another veteran, a la Mac Collins, to be a bigger outside presence in three wide receiver sets if they want to do that as well. Yeah, last year, Hunter Renfro, he had six routes in two wide receiver sets. Compare that to Mac Collins, who had 116 of the 126 routes in two wide receiver sets. Jacoby Myers, he was out there for 57% of the Patriots' two wide receiver sets last year. So I agree, it's going to be Jacoby Myers. Now, for fantasy purposes, I would say that this landing spot was probably on the lower end of things just because we were not expecting... The, the Raiders to pass the ball all that much this year. Um, and Devontae Adams is much better at playing receiver. And I think will demand a pretty big target share. So I dropped uh, Jacoby Myers. His ADP on underdog fantasy promo code, the show is 94th overall. I dropped mm. him in my rankings down to 117th overall. Just to compare him to last year, Mac Holland in this two wide receiver set role. Uh, obviously the offense has changed with the quarterback. He was 135th overall and better in best ball points per game. Those are fantasy points over replacement. So I think he's better than Matt Collins, obviously. So I'm going to put him in that 117th overall range, like the wide receiver 52, something like that. And that's where I think Jacoby Myers is as a, as a player. He's a number two wide receiver. He's not a number one. He can win on the outside. Pretty bland player when it comes to athleticism. But he's a good route runner, reliable guy. I'm sure he's great in the locker room, probably right. great on the whiteboard does all that stuff. And I think that's why McDaniels wanted him in there. Yeah. All due respect to you, Jacoby, but bland is probably the right way of putting this. Like over the last three seasons, he started 14 games in 2020 had 729 receiving yards and zero touchdowns 2021 under Josh McDaniels, 83 receptions, 866 yards and two touchdowns. And then last year, 67 receptions, 804 yards and six yeah. touchdowns on top of that. Um, Devante still the go-to and, as you said, Jacoby Myers is being drafted as wide receiver 46. That is one spot ahead of rookie Zay Flowers, two spots ahead of Brandon Cooks, three spots ahead of Darnell Mooney, but just after the likes of Cortland Sutton, Rashad Bateman, a few others. Um, now, in context, again, where we're talking about Devontae Adams, that's wide receiver seven overall, you know, 11th overall pick, 10th overall pick. And I think this almost dovetails back to the conversation we had about how Jimmy is probably going to play a different game than Derek Carr uh, is was asked to do last year. I mean, Derek and if it was Jarrett Sidham as well, the most success that they had was going vertical. But while Devontae Adams was obviously successful doing that, we know that for years in the short and intermediate and especially near the goal line, that's where Devontae's bread and butter was. It wasn't necessarily as a vertical receiver. Yep. So I think now with these pass catchers on top of that, when it's Devontae, plus Jacoby, plus Hunter Renfro. It is more going to be not a quick fire offense, but closer to the line of scrimmage versus what we yeah. saw in a vertical passing game under McDaniels last year. 
I think that plays to Jimmy G's strengths where he yes. doesn't have to turn his back and then just throw it into the void and hope hopefully there's not a, a zone linebacker that's picking off the ball. If he's pre-snapping, just getting the ball out and ding and dunk. I think that's a better skill set for Jimmy G. And he actually had some success with McDaniels uh, for a short stint in that type of offense. My concern with the Raiders now for this offense is the speed. We talk about the Chargers and how everything is so condensed. Devontae Adams is definitely faster now than where, when he ran his 40-yard dash. I still think that he has a lot of juice. But Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro, and we'll see what Darren Waller still has left in the tank after missing all, or not all of, but most of last season as well. He's definitely on the older side. And then Josh Jacobs, he's not exactly a burner his own right. Jimmy G has no mobility, basically. Where is the speed? Where is the explosive play? It really is just going to come down to is how good is Devontae Adams. I thought Devontae Adams last year was still exceptional, one of the top three, top five best wide receivers in the game. I have Devontae Adams right at the end of the first round, right next to ADP. I have him right in front of... Uh, Steph Diggs, I have him right ahead of those elite quarterbacks. Um, I think that's where he belongs. I'm not dropping him because Jacoby Myers is right. there. Devontae is getting his, and then if there's any leftovers because Jimmy G had a good season, then I think Jacoby Myers can have a couple spiked weeks. But overall, this offense, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, and then everyone else is getting leftovers. Yeah, and obviously Hunter Renfro was hurt most of last season, but right now he's even being drafted in like the purgatory area. You know, like he's being drafted after Alec Pierce at wide receiver 71 for Renfro. That's just ahead of Chase Claypool, another free agent in DJ Chark and Curtis Samuel and Adam Thielen, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, I might even be out in that territory because I feel like where Hunter Renfro was so good in 2021 was his dominance inside the 10 yard line and getting those touchdowns in those tight spaces. Like he was that go-to double, triple move guy in the span of five yards, and boom, you couldn't cover him that area. Well, guess what? Devontae Adams is literally the best player in the league in that area. It was true with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and it can be true now as well. So it's at best splitting that pie 50-50, but most certainly going way in favor of Devontae Adams. So when you had that entire pie to yourself back in 2021, I just think that that season – and it's an obvious thing to say, but that season is totally yeah. irreplicable by any of future projections for Hunter Renfro standards. If you don't play in two wide receiver sets, you're basically meaningless to me for fantasy purposes. Okay, big picture, final minute. What does it say to you about the rest of these free agent wide receiver deals? I think we'll see a run of them today because as we saw last year, Christian Kirk, I believe, was signed on the first day of free agency, a massive deal these contracts aren't even close to it when Jacoby was listed at the top of a not so good list. And it seems like the rest of the NFL is responding accordingly and not overpaying two things. First of all, this is a perfect example of your draft status staying with you through free agency. And Jacoby Myers was not a highly touted prospect coming out. He doesn't get the money that we thought that he could get. Uh, Christian Kirk going back to it, $37 million guaranteed last off season. That is almost double what, Jacoby Myers gets the Juju Smith Schuster's that entire tier. They're going to be kind of hanging out in this range. So we'll see if there's any cut candidates like Corey Davis, if they can be uh, beat this type of contract. But I think like we said on the show many times, you draft wide receivers and now you trade for wide receivers. So I'm yep. hoping that's the big thing is the NFL said that these guys are mid-level guys. We have to go get a true number one. Give me the DJ Moore's Chris Godwin, any of those type of receivers on the move. Please, please, please. It'd be very fun. Final thought, once again, comparing Jacoby Myers to Julian Edelman, who just in his last season with 
Josh McDaniels, if we're talking about Edelman here, had 613 slot snaps versus 426 out wide. Again, close to a 60-40 split. The Renfro dynamic probably shifts closer to Danny Amendola, who was in his 30s and late 20s during that time with McDaniels. But at best, it was 659 yards and two scores, 648 yards and three scores. So two wide receiver sets are king, and that should be based on what we saw just a couple seasons ago under McDaniels, Jacoby Myers, and obviously Devontae Adams as the alpha. New England, just real quick, they have Devontae Parker. Tyquan Thornton is going to be an outside deep threat. They do not have a slot receiver. Jacoby Myers was operating in that role for a lot of it. They can go two big big ways. They can either really improve over Devontae Parker, try to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, or they're going to go try to find a slot receiver. There's a lot of slot receivers in the draft. There's a lot of slot receivers in free agency. There's not that many big names, uh, but we'll see with, with New England. They have to basically reset their entire skill position group. Damian Harris is leaving. They just traded Johnny Smith, their wide receiver group is really bad so that's the spot for new england to make some big adjustments the one name i want to bring up until something changes is hunter henry going as tight end 31 and 218 overall if you're doing drafts right now which all of you can do with a link down the description draft all these rookies all these free agent movers on underdog fantasy there's tournaments right now with like a million dollars a million dollars before the nfl draft come on hunter henry should be on every single one of your teams at this moment not saying he's going to have a tremendous year he absolutely could but for that price at tight end 31 not so stuff all right bunch of dominoes continuing to fall i'm sure we'll have some wide receivers running backs and even tight end movement today stick the channel hit that subscribe button and we'll see you on the next video